Good morning, everyone. This is Spencer Michaud, and this is your weekly astrology forecast for June 10th through the 16th. Um, I first wanted to say that thank you for uh, giving me a, a like and whatnot on the Facebook page and the SoundCloud and whatnot. <clears throat> been getting some nice responses to the last video that I posted, and I just wanted to express my gratitude for that. It's it's uh, when we're sending things out into the ether webs. Uh, it's nice to get feedback and to know that it's reaching people. So I wanted to just give you a, a, a thumbs up and a thank you for that. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you know, plus, press a little click on the YouTube channel or the, the Facebook page or whatnot. Um, I'm going to be, speaking of that, I'm going to be practicing today uh, on some of the vocal tics that I noticed in the last video. Um, when you When you first begin to do videos like this, you... You, when you, you're basically looking at yourself in a mirror and you start to notice all the things you say. I say whatnot a lot after things when I'm trailing off. It's like I speak in, um, in ellipses, uh, <laughs> trying to complete a thought. So if you, if you notice that, you can get your bingo card out like uh, they do for the astrology podcast and, or, or take a shot of whiskey or something like that. But I will, I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Let's dive in. Uh, so this week, hopefully you've had a restorative weekend. Uh, the moon has moved through Virgo. Uh, it would still be in the sign of Virgo in the beginning of the week. I'm going to show you my screen here. Uh, again, I've got Astro Gold, uh, the Mac version of that program up here. And what I'd like to do today is take you kind of step by step through the, the days of the week. And along the way, I'm going to explain... Um, some of the terms that are associated with Hellenistic or ancient Greek astrology. Um, one of the things that I started to do about two years ago uh, in 2017 is, uh, first of all, I discovered Chris Brennan's wonderful podcast, The Astrology Podcast, and that was kind of my introduction, along with Demetra George's material to Hellenistic astrology. And they basically... Uh, had us dive in with uh, and become saturated with the terms. And my goal was to gain fluency with this language. And I think that when you're starting to study something like traditional astrology, you just have to kind of let it saturate you and, and go through and define some of the terms, start working out some of the rules and start just kind of trying to speak the language as much as you can. And, and you will gain fluency over time. I think this is something that even in a few short years, my fluency has increased. I, I, you know, there's, when I first began doing this, there was, you know, it sound, some of it sounded like absolute gibberish, but as I've gone along and I've been diligent with my studies, some of those terms have started to make sense and, and crept into my practice. And I encourage all of you to uh, take the time to learn the definitions of some of these um, more advanced techniques and to, even if you're not completely understanding all of the um, terminology right away, just stick with it. Let it wash over you. Let it, um, you know, worm its way into your consciousness a little bit. And eventually you're going to, you'll find that you'll, you'll be a little bit more fluent with the techniques and it's going to start to make sense. Um, the Hellenistic uh, system was very much uh, a, a unified system and when you start to see all the patterns and connections within it, it's going to be quite an astonishing and, and beautiful thing. There are uh, many um, rationalizations and justifications for why the astrology works rather than just saying, well, it's, it's, it's this and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's less abstract and, and it concretizes some of these concepts and terms. So I'm going to do a little bit of defining as we go along today. Um, Still working on some of the pronunciations of the words as well, so bear with me with that. I've got a little cheat sheet of Latinized um, vowel sounds here, and I'm practicing that. Um, I posted a video on my Facebook page of kind of how to pronounce the Latin terms, so you can check that out if you want. So let's get to it. All right, so on Monday, June 10th, the day of the moon, each day of the week is associated with a planetary deity, um, we are going to be experiencing the end of the Virgo moon. So Virgo is 
I mean, the moon is going to be in the third decan of Virgo. And we're going to be kind of completing this uh, trine to this little gauntlet here that we have been running through um, with the south node, Saturn, and Pluto. Hopefully over the weekend, you've been able to weed out some of the, the scheduling conflicts or ideas or, or overwhelm that you may be experiencing from the beginning of last week at the new moon and starting to pick and choose the things that you really want to put your energy towards, what stays and what goes. We've had this beautiful mutual reception between the moon and uh, Mercury over the weekend. And I, I, I'm guessing that most of you have probably uh, gotten down to business and say, all right, this is uh, how we're going to practically implement some of the idea, the seed ideas that were triggered at the new moon. Um, in my last video, I discussed the moon being kind of like a music box that has a, those pins on a cylinder that are triggering the tuned uh, notes of the, of the music box and, and creating this celestial music. Um, so I want you to, one of the things that I do every morning, I, I, I journal every morning. I learned this from a woman named uh, Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way. Uh, kind of a brain dump where you're getting things out of your head onto the page, even if it's, you know, negative. You're kind of emptying out the cup so that you're receptive for the things that want to come in during the day. And what I've started to do over the last year or so is really be diligent about recording the aspects of the day on the margins and how they are relating universally and relating to my own chart. And it's a very powerful combination when you have those two things lined up along with your thought processes for the day. Um, if you really want to understand astrology, you have to experience it firsthand. And having a running um, dialogue and basically a list of the things that happened during the day before or how you're feeling during that day is going to be very instructive when it comes to learning how these aspects actually will work in your life. Because I've got a little secret for you. Most of them are going to repeat this is a big circle that we have here that keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And most of the things, all right, most of the faster moving planets, including the moon, is the one that you can really track. Um, and I have an article on my website called Tracking Moon Cycles uh, that you can check out on spencermichaud.com. Uh, you're going to see that moon triggering different parts of your life, different planetary placements, and you're going to have the opportunity to recognize some of the things that come up in real time. And uh, for example, I noticed that when the moon is opposing my Mars, that there's a little bit of a, a heat that happens um, in my communications with my partner. Uh, she, she has a, the same position of the sun as my Mars is by square. And I know that at that time, there's going to be a potential for potentially more of a, you know, maybe a small argument or something like that. And I've, uh, what I've started to do is say, well, let's take a time out during this period or do something active or give, give Mars an outlet for this energy so that we don't direct it at each other. And if I can anticipate that, you know, few hours, because it's really only going to last a few hours or so, where there's more of a potential for conflict, I can catch it in the middle of it and say, ah, I see, okay, this is, this is the test. And that's really the beauty of astrology is being able to anticipate and see in the moment um, the types of things that you're going to be experiencing. So that's one, my first tip and suggestion of the day is keep a journal and mark down some of those uh, aspects in your own chart. And if you need the help of a professional astrologer to kind of make sense of your chart, um, book a reading. Um, I'm available for readings and, and uh, things of that nature if you want to have a personalized reading. It's valuable to be able to sit down with a professional astrologer and kind of get some context with these things. And that's going to really inform your own personal study as well. You're going to be able to start um, recognizing some of the things that you may have unearthed with the professional astrologer and applying them to your, to your daily life. And then you may only need a check-in once every few months or once a year or something like that. But um, the more you learn, the more you're going to be able to uh, understand those cycles in real time. And they are cycles. So let's look at Monday here. 
so the first thing we have is we have the moon completing this trine with both Saturn and Pluto. Okay, so a trine is said to be a beneficial aspect. The ancients believed that the aspects were uh, a visual testimony between planets. They were witnessing one another and having a conversation. Um, and the trine aspect was said to be of the nature of Jupiter. So it was a beneficial aspect that was supportive, that was uh, confirming, that was bridging. So there may be something where you are go- diving into the depths of the structures of your life, Saturn and Pluto, and you know, making a plan, getting organized, uh, implementing some of the ideas that have coming up came up rather than just thinking about them uh, in the in the ether. It's about grounding them and becoming more practical. So that's going to be the first part of the day here. And as we move through the day, we're going to see that the moon is going to be moving into the sign of Libra. And at the same time, we're going to have this opposition happening between the sun and Jupiter. Now, I want to explain a concept that I've been learning from Demetra George in her book, Astrology, Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice, right here. A wonderful book, um, a companion book to uh, Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, and also to, to Ben Dykes' material. Um, I believe that his version of this, uh, and he has so much material, but he did a book with Abu Mashar. Um, that was sort of an introduction to traditional astrology. And those books all, all kind of live together, I would say. Um, the, I guess the story goes is that the three of them had a retreat out in Portland and sat and watched the ocean waves come in and discussed uh, what all of these uh, source texts, what their interpretations of them were. And you're going to get a slightly different version from each one of those wonderful teachers. Um, but I would pick up all of those books and see, see what it means to you. One of the advantages, I think, of Demetra's book in particular is that she has a lot of worksheet-style exercises in the end of the chapters, and that's been really valuable for my uh, understanding and practice. And one of the things that I've come across in her book that I noticed with this Monday is Jupiter is in, has a condition um, called curtailed passage. Uh, and I'm going to read you what that means right out of her book. Okay, so the inner and the outer planets, so the the inferior planets, the ones that are inside the celestial sphere orbit of the sun are Venus and Mercury. Um, The superior planets are the ones that are outside of that solar orbit in the order of the planets. And that's Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. And Each of those has a slightly different um, cycle in relationship to the sun, and they go through phases, just like the moon goes through phases. So what we're experiencing on Monday is sort of a full moon, quote-unquote, of Jupiter. So it's it's of the Jupiter synodic cycle. And synodic cycle is, you know, synodic means its relationship to the sun. So we're going to be experiencing a a peak experience of a Jupiter cycle that began on November 26th of 2018. So I want you to think back, and if you're a journaler, go back to your journal and read what was going on that week and what seeds had been planted in the Jupiter-ruled area of your chart. Um, In traditional astrology, most of the planets, uh, besides the sun and the moon, rule two different houses of your chart. And so, for example, in this chart that we have here, and I'm going to see, I'll annotate this for you. In this chart here, with Libra rising, we have the third house being ruled by Jupiter and the sixth house. Okay? So both of those have Jupiter providing for it in this particular version of a chart. See that? And there's going to be a connection with the, this, the topics associated with those places. Excuse me. Um, 
for example, third house here is uh, generally traditionally associated with siblings, with a community that you share roots with. Uh, and the sixth house was um, said to be the house of bad fortune or bad 2K or injury or illness. So there may be a connection with Jupiter uh, in those two areas of your chart if, if you're a Libra rising. And you may see a peak experience happening uh, in regards to those two areas of your chart. And it's going to be different for, for every rising sign. Um, one, that's one of the other advantages of getting a personalized reading is you're going to get much more specific about where these energies are going to be manifesting. So what we're seeing here is an opposition between the sun and Jupiter. Okay, So that's the peak kind of quote-unquote full moon type of experience, right? And Jupiter has this sort of strange condition that um, ancient astrologers described as being in curtailed passage. And it's part of the acronical phase, all right? And I'm going to read, I'm going to quote from Demetra's book right here. And at this phase, at the, at the opposition, the outer planets are going to be retrograde. So they're already going to be appearing to move backwards in the sky. You can see on my chart, the retrograde planets are in red. Okay, so these are all the ones that are retrograde right now. So as the planet turns retrograde, weakening and losing its power and strength, it is moving extremely slowly backward, zodiacally, slowly in backward zodiacal direction and appears to make a loop in the sky. The planet experiences difficulty and reversals in bringing about its agenda. At the same time, the sun is moving ahead in the zodiacal sequence and comes to oppose the planet. The planet temporarily speeds up when opposite the sun, indicating confusion and hopes that do not materialize. This disorientation is coincident with it being in curtailed passage when seven and a half degrees on either side of the opposition. During curtailed passage, the planet is not visible when rising over the eastern horizon after dusk or setting on the western horizon as dawn approaches, although it can be seen in the sky during the remaining parts of the night. It is the lack of visibility on the horizon that further undermines the actions of the retrograde superior planet. Once the planet passes the opposition point to the sun, it is said to be of the evening, and after the curtailed passage degree, it can be seen rising and setting again in the evening sky. However, the planet is still retrograde and remains weak, ineffective, and powerless in the acronical phase until its direct station when it is around 120 degrees behind the sun. Okay, so how do we make sense of that? So basically, the way that I would understand this right now is since June 3rd, when this phase began, when Jupiter was within seven and a half degrees of its opposition with the sun, Jupiter's significations were sort of behind the scenes. They were hidden. Jupiter had more trouble. If you think of him as giving testimony in this particular chart for the third house and the sixth house, the testimony that he is giving, the arguments that he are, gi are giving in the court of law or the court of fate, uh, are having more difficulty manifesting through the birth channels, okay? We can think of those deities as the abstract significations of a planet, Jupiter being um, justice, integrity, bridges, confirmation, stabilization. Uh, and those abstract significations are having difficulty manifesting through the birth channel right now when it's in its hidden phase. There are things that are bubbling and brewing underneath the surface, behind the scenes. There may be some sort of conflict that you're trying to work out with those types of things as we approach this opposition here. So be aware that uh, the harmonizing aspects of Jupiter may be having difficulty uh, expressing themselves at this time in particular. The other thing that we're noticing here uh, is that we have Jupiter moving into the square with Neptune. So there's a question of the idealism 
versus the illusion, the, you know, the plan versus the, the, the goal or the dream. And there's going to be some uh, deep waters that we're going to have to wade through to figure out how to move forward with some of these Jupiterian significations. Jupiter wants to expand. Um, Neptune can be associated with uh, illusion, with um, poisons, with things that uh, are ambiguous. So there may be an ambiguity surrounding your life right now that is um, becoming a little bit overwhelming. Um, there may be plans that you're trying to put out into the world that, you know, they may feel too big right now. The dream may be uh, getting a little bit out of control. And how the question is now, how do you bring that back into focus and back into um, having an ability to manifest it within the world of form in a way that's going to be healthy and in a way that's going to be productive? Okay, so that's what we're going to be experiencing on Monday. Um, the curtailed passage ends on the 16th at the end of the week. So we're going to start to get some clarity at the end of this week. Now, the other thing that's happening, and I will draw this again. The other thing that's happening on Monday is Mars and Saturn are beginning their opposition by adherence. And the technical term for this is called kalesis. And I believe that's how you pronounce it with the, the long E, like A, kalesis. And this is part of how planets communicate with one another. And the kalesis condition is when they become within three degrees of one another. Uh, actually, this may, be, this may be a connection. I'm sorry. I'm going to back up. I think this is actually a condition called connection. Kalesis is when the planets adhere to one another uh, in the same sign. So here, this is a good, good example of uh, trying to get your terms straight. And it, it takes practice. It takes practice. The Kalesis condition is when those two planets are together in the same sign. So for example, Mercury is going to be coming into Kalesis with Mars within three degrees uh, probably by the end of this week, I would imagine, okay? And then we're going to have Mercury starting to engage in connection, okay? That's what happens when you have it by aspect ray. So here we have Mars starting to make an aspect ray within three degrees of Saturn. And that's when they're kind of engaging in conversation rather than intermingling their energies like they would if they were in uh, adherence or kalesis or gluing together. Um, you can think of the, uh, Demetri George has a really great way of describing the, the, the way that the planets come together, um, and here's the order that she lists, and I took some notes on this today. She describes it as the, the way that human beings relate to one another. So first of all, when a, when a planet becomes into a, comes into the same sign, or into an aspect relationship like we have here, uh, we call that either co-presence or uh, witnessing. So we have a, a whole sign testimony that's happening, a, a conversation that begins. They become aware of one another as they move into the same sign uh, or as they move into an aspect relationship. Now, in traditional astrology, they only um, use the, the, the trine, the sextile, the square, and the opposition. Um, they don't use the semi-sextile and things like that. They, that's a condition called aversion uh, because the planets were said to not be able to see one another. So, so they were not able to provide testimony or to have a conversation. Uh, it's like they're just not even aware of one another. Uh, and that's kind of a, a, a very challenging position to be in in traditional astrology. Like even a, an argument sometimes is better than no conversation for the most part. Uh, unless you've got some malefics happening here. Um, and that, that can bring some challenges for sure, the malefic planets being Saturn and Mars. Um, so what we have is when, we, when the planets come together in their whole sign testimony, they become aware of one another. When they have a condition called assembly within 15 degrees, 
okay? They are starting to meet up and spend some personal time together, okay? They may be, the, their, their gaze might start to focus upon one another. And you can think about this as if you're going out on a date and you see someone from across the room and you're starting to, you know, lock in with them. And then we have a, a condition called connection um, or kalesis, right? Or merging bodily. And those are two separate things. The connection is when you have an aspect ray that's connecting the two planets. And the kalesis is when they merge together unified in the same sign. And that's when they're within three degrees of either of those conditions. And you can think of that as like, you know, when they're merging together bodily, that's like a sexual union. So like the date's gone well and they're coming together uh, and, uh, you know, with a little business, you know. Uh, and with connection, that's like you, you're engaged in conversation with someone. You're starting to really uh, talk about something important. It's, a, it's an intimate connection and the, the conversation is heated up for better or for worse. And generally, the conversation is going to be constructive if you have the sextile and the trine, um, but it may be damaging or, or challenging with the opposition and the square. Um, as they start to separate, then you have the, the planets start to withdraw, uh, and that's a condition called aparoia, okay? And that's like the afterglow. Uh, it could be either the afterglow or the residual shock that you experience uh, after uh, some sort of, you know, experience with the planet. And I got some, some, there's some challenging uh, conversations happening in the sky between these planetary deities and probably in our lives right now. Um, this Mars-Saturn opposition is not something that is easy. These are the two malefic planets. Um, Mars wanting to cut, separate, and burn, uh, being in the, the sign of its fall, a condition where it is weakened. It's in the temple of the moon. And it's, the moon is offering up family circumstances, domestic circumstances, things related to women, uh, things that are related to nurturing, and Mars is chopping them to bits right now. And that is not a, a very comfortable position for Mars or for significations related to the moon. And Mars is going to be running headlong into Saturn this week. And starting Monday, it's going, to, we're going, it's going to be engaging in that connection, in the opposition. So you're, these aspects don't just happen, uh, especially with these outer planets that move really slow. It's not like they're just happening and they're done. We have a building up of the experience. We have a peak and then we have an, a flowing away. You know, and this is, this is true for any type of project or conversation or relationship that you have. There's a building phase. There's a peak phase. And then there's kind of the aftermath. And this week is a lot, a lot of the themes of this week are about the building of Mars and Mercury opposing Saturn and, you know, and Pluto by sign. But we're really going to run into Saturn first. Okay. So Monday, after the moon has gone through its uh, Virgo phase, it's going to start to, let's see if I can get another annotate here, annotate. It's going to start to move into Libra. And you can see that the moon is going to move out of the mutual reception with Mercury, which is a bummer because that was a nice little thing. And it's going to start to move into the domicile of Venus. So, what is going to be happening as the moon moves into Libra? Well, first of all, it's going to make a nice trine to Venus, its host. All right. That is a beautiful condition that we have here. So you can see right here, two degrees, uh, Libra is going to be making this nice trine aspect to Venus. So that is a positive conversation that is coming up between those two planets. All right. Venus and the moon are they are both of the night sect okay and they both want i think similar things they have similar uh guiding principles 
And one of the things that Bob Schmidt talks about with the sect conditions is, amongst other authors and whatnot, is uh, um, the night sect, the planets of the moon, okay, uh, the moon, Venus, and Mars, are generally concerned with uh, diversity and, um, well, what is it? Diversity and multiplicity. Um, so they're, they're not necessarily trying to unify things. They, they separate things out. Um, but the moon in general and Venus in general are harmonizing influences depending on both of their conditions. So because the moon has a open line of communication, a positive line of communication to its host, we may be able to start a negotiation at this period of time. Um, now, what, is, what role is the moon going to play in the, over the next few days when she's in Libra? Well, she's going to be creating this T-square now by sign between, see this? Between Mars and Saturn and the moon. So she's trying to negotiate on behalf of Mars and Saturn and kind of be the intermediary between these two planets. And if I were to move the chart forward a little bit here, oops, I'm going to get rid of all those things. Um, you can see as we move forward, she's going to come into a square with both of those planets. She's already in a square by sign. Um, but we're going to see her take on more of this uh, negotiating role. So here we go right here. She's at about 17 degrees by the end of the day on, on Wednesday. So it's going to be a couple days of that negotiation between Saturn and Mars with the moon playing the intermediary. So the first couple days of the week may be a good time to have some of these conversations. Uh, it may, you may feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place and, and you're trying to just kind of make peace. Uh, but the moon is helping and Venus is helping the moon out with that as well. Uh, one of the things that we see on Tuesday in particular, let's go back again. Sorry if I'm skipping around a little bit. Got a lot of ideas floating around in my head here. Um, the moon's going to make it square to Mercury and also to Mars and Saturn. And that's going to spark the conversation, I think. That's going to start getting people starting to talk to one another. As we move into Wednesday, Mars is going to be back in bounds. All right? There's a condition um, that each of the planets sometimes goes through besides the sun uh, is this out-of-bounds condition where there are two circles that uh, circle the Earth. You've got the celestial equator and the ecliptic, the path of the sun. And the sun takes a particular um, path across the sky, and planets rise or fall below that path that the sun is taking. And when they get too far away from the path that the sun normally takes, they're said to be out of bounds. And that is a, a more of a, um, they're said to be out of the authority of the king. If the, if the sun was thought of as the king and the, the figure that was keeping these planetary deities in line. When a planet goes out of bounds, it's kind of in its own, on its own. It is a little bit um, outside of the norm. It's not really following the rules anymore. It may be going against the grain. And Mars has been out of bounds for a few weeks, and we may have been having some struggles with martial type of experiences like expressing our anger, our willpower, and things like that. And especially being in the sign of cancer where it becomes very passive aggressive. So when Mars comes back in bounds on the 12th, that may be a little bit of a, a helpful um, condition for Mars and, and being more, uh, con a little bit controlling uh, our, our martial energy a little bit and having it fall into a, more of an alignment with what is acceptable socially uh, and so on. So, what aspects are we going to see from the moon on Wednesday? 
So Mars is back in bounds. The moon is going to be trining the sun at 21 degrees. Okay. So here we've got, if we move forward, we're going to see the moon come into a trine with the sun, which is a nice supportive aspect with the king. So the king and the queen are getting along here. The moon was thought of as the queen. So that's a nice, uh, nice little aspect for uh, harmonizing with uh, a sense of purpose versus what forms we're trying to bring in to being. Um, so we've got the sun representing kind of a unification, divinity, um, the, the same versus the moon, which is representative of uh, the other uh, forms that are coming into being and passing away uh, with temporal, with the temporal nature. So there's a nice communication between the uh, unifying principle and the diversity principle that's happening on Wednesday the 12th. Um, the moon is going to run into a, a square with Pluto after that. And that may be challenging. Um, that may bring up some, some kind of depth experience. Here we see as we get to 22 degrees. Sorry, I went past it. Um, now we have this square between Pluto and the moon. And that may bring up some emotional depths that need to be dealt with. Uh, Luckily, the, the Libra moon tries to bring balance back into the, the expression of that, uh, and we may have a little bit more grace dealing with those types of issues than we would have if it were in a different sign. Um, as we move into Thursday, we are going to see the moon move into Scorpio. And the moon is going to lose some dignity when it's in Scorpio, okay? Uh, the moon was traditionally said to be in its fall when it was in Scorpio. And you can think of being in fall or depression as the planet being at the bottom of a well or the, on the outside looking in on the party like he's, you know, really not in a good position. It's a, it's a position of disgrace. Uh, it's a position of being feeling disempowered. The moon being in the sign of Scorpio is in the domicile or the temple of Mars. So those two energies, even though they are sectmates, um, generally the moon wants to bond things together and Mars wants to separate them. And the, you know, Mars is a, a planet of conflict, whereas the moon wants to nurture. So we, we're seeing some of those dichotomies that are coming up. We are going to have a mutual reception between the moon and Mars. So that might, that might mitigate some of this a little bit. But one of the big things that I wanted to talk about on Thursday, the 13th, was uh, we've got an opposition from the moon and Uranus. Okay? In addition to Mercury starting to come into a cholesis, this time I'm using the term correctly, <laughs> Uh, with Mars. So it is bonding together with Mars here. You can see it's starting to become within three degrees and merging its significations together with Mars, okay, on Thursday the 13th. And that's going to really uh, fire Mercury up. It's going to maybe give us some heated conversations. Um, it's going to destabilize some things within the family. Um, especially. Uh, and we're also going to see a destabilizing moment with the moon opposing Uranus. Uranus was the Promethean energy, was the, 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 the fire bringer to humanity. Um, it is a disruptive influence. And we've been seeing these disruptions happen in, you know, Venus ruled things in regards to women and the choices that they're quote unquote allowed to make with their bodies. Um, we've seen this with the earth destabilizing with, you know, climate change and, um, you know, ways that we are protecting or abusing the environment. And the moon is going to be triggering some of that energy on Thursday. And I'm going to continue a theme that I had uh, over the last video where I show you some, some tarot cards uh, where we 
kind of get a little bit of a vibe for this. I'm going to stop my share for a second, and I'm going to show you the two tarot cards that are going to be some themes with this um, Moon-Uranus opposition. So we can see that the Uranus is going to be represented by the Five of Pentacles. That is the first decan of Taurus. Whereas the first decan of Scorpio is represented by the Five of Cups. And we've got some really interesting themes going on here. First of all, the Moon is going to be moving through a decan that Austin Kopic in 36 Faces calls the Jawbone. It is a, a hunger, a hungry part of the Zodiac where there is desire. And one of the things that we're seeing in this card in particular is a little bit of regret and, for, and desire for this, the spilled cups here. So the figure is, you can see that he is looking at the spilled cups and kind of having this moment of like uh, mourning for what he or she has lost, not realizing that he has two cups that are still full behind him that may lead him to the bridge uh, across the river to the castle of fulfillment. Um, so this particular card I see as learning to have gratitude for what you still have in your life and not get fixated on desiring what has already passed through your life or what you don't have. And then we see the five of pentacles where we have two figures that are you know, experiencing some hardship. Uh, they look like they're kind of destitute. Um, Austin Coppett calls this the plow. And this was about kind of uh, working the ground and the work necessary to, to kind of plant the seeds and to make the ground ready to become uh, fertile. And these two figures are outside of a church and a stained glass window, and they may either be running away from that or running towards uh, their salvation, so to speak. And one of the themes that was discussed with this card and this decan in particular is that it's not necessarily poverty that these people are experiencing. It could be experienced literally, but it may be the fear of poverty. It may be the fear of lack that is uh, informing the choices and decisions. So I think there's a nice dichotomy between desire and planting and working the land. And these things are going to be kind of coming into conflict with one another. And I think really my, if I were to give you advice for this particular aspect, and it's very brief, but we're going to be seeing Uranus triggered by various um, placements over the next decade or so as it spends, I don't know, the next seven to I don't know, eight or nine years, depending on retrogrades there, probably seven years. Um, new moons in particular are, have been pretty uh, shocking kind of thing. I know in particular I have uh, um, Taurus is angular in my chart. And at the new, last Taurus new moon, my uh, landlord said that they were selling our house. And that was a, kind of a shock. And then at the full moon, uh, some more of the things got revealed and it's beginning to become resolved to, to the next new moon, right? Um, so there may be some shocking things that come up or a peak cycle in regards to that. Um, so remember that the Uranus cycle is a long one. It's Yes, there may be some shocking events, lightning bolts of awareness, but this is a, a change that is happening over time. And you don't have to make all the changes at once, but you do have to kind of be aware that there's a certain area of your chart that wants to be revolutionized, that wants to be changed, that wants to be disrupted, that wants to be destabilized because it's gotten crystallized too much. It's gotten stagnant. And anytime we have connections like with the moon as a trigger, triggering that music box note of Uranus in the sky or in your chart, it's going to be asking you, to roll with that and say, well, how can you be progressive? How can you accept the insecurity? Um, there's a great book by Alan Watts called The Wisdom of Insecurity that I would suggest reading for this Uranus time. 
and it speaks to not getting attached to the so to the crystallized you know world of forms and this is really the gift that we're going to have with kind of this moon uranus opposition i think is it's going to help us to realize that um there are certain areas of our life that need to need to change and if you can go through that gracefully you're going to have a lot less pain that you'll experience i think that there are certain things in the chart that are foretold and foreshadowed and you do have choice within that uh, i know that my good buddy and teacher adam allen boss had a very nice video that i would check out about uh the moment of death and what what is deter- predetermined in the chart or not and he had some very interesting philosophical thoughts about that uh, and the um, choices that we make lead to different possibilities within the chart. And this is one of the existential crises that I went through when I started studying traditional astrology. I mean, I came from a very new age background where I was very much putting my mindset into, you know, creating your own reality, uh, quantum physics, the secret, stuff like that, which, and I'm not discounting that completely. I think I've come a little bit full circle on it. Um, when I first st- started studying traditional astrology, I really had this crisis of faith and um, started thinking about, well, everything is predetermined and, and it led to a little bit of depression. And now as I've studied things like um, alchemy and the purification of the of the soul and gotten a better understanding of what traditional astrology is really saying, I think there is some more uh, wiggle room for the choices that we make. Um, I think it's a balance. I think there are things that, there are circumstances that you are going to face again and again. And I think that um, how do you navigate it is the real question. Um, So you can come to your own conclusion uh, after studying. for where you stand on that spectrum. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating endeavor to, and rabbit hole to go down um, because it really is a fundamental question and it could take hours and videos and years to figure out, uh, but we'll keep asking the questions. I think that's the, that's the thing that I would highly recommend is just keep asking the question and keep trying to uh, navigate your life with grace. That's really the key is, how can you, you know, it's that serenity prayer. God grant me the wisdom to uh, accept the things that I cannot change, change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's really, that's some of the best advice out there, really. Okay, so we're getting back to Thursday. Forgive my digression here. So we're looking at Thursday. We've got that, uh, that coming together of Mars and Saturn is going to perfect on Friday, okay? So if we move forward onto Friday, we're gonna see, and when something perfects, it means the, the aspect becomes exact. So you can see here that uh, around 10.42 a.m., okay, roughly, here we go, uh, Mars is going to be exactly opposite Saturn. And that's probably going to be the peak of this, this energy uh, that we're experiencing. This, these uh, events may climax, come to a climax of some sort. There may be some sort of agreement that you come to or, or falling out or conflict. You may come again, up against a brick wall or some sort of uh, obstacle in your path. I'm going to show you the two cards associated with the second decan of Cancer and the second 10 degree section or decan of Capricorn, because these are some of the themes that may be manifesting um, as we move through Friday and into the weekend. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to stop my share for a minute again. And I'm going to show you, we have the three of cups and the three of pentacles. So Mars is represented by the three of cups and Saturn by the three of pentacles. Austin Coppock calls the Three of Cups the walled garden or abundance in, in the uh, Golden Dawn, I believe it was abundance. Uh, and then we have the Three of Pentacles 
called The Pyramid in Austin's book. And this is about, we've got a celebration quality and um, a building quality, a planning quality, and uh, a relaxing quality. More of the celebration versus the let's get down to business type of thing. Uh, the walled garden is really interesting. So let's talk about Mars being behind the walled garden right now. Perhaps a lot of the conflicts, the severing qualities are happening behind the scenes, behind the, the walls of the domestic environment. Um, I happen to have a son in the second decan of cancer, so I'm familiar with this territory. And uh, Austin compares natives that have these placements to hothouse flowers, <laughs> which means that they have a very specific set of needs and a very specific set uh, of qualities in, in an environment that they can flourish within. And I would find that to be true. I, I really do enjoy having my the protective walls of my home. Um, if I'm out in, a, in an environment that isn't uh, that is too loud or too too crazy, too much too much energy floating around, too many people's emotions. I start to get really overwhelmed, and I want to just go home and be within the protective walls of my castle, so to speak. And behind those walls, this is why this is the perfect job for me because I can make these videos with you, and I'm in my house and feel safe and whatever. So uh, it's fun. Um, technology is wonderful, but Mars right now is going to be operating within that area of the zodiac, and so there may be some, some, some conflicts. It's like the warrior has gotten into the garden and is stirring stuff up. He's, you know, got a big, you know, sword and he's stabbing everybody in the back right now because uh, he's not going to face them uh, head on, right? He's, he's like Brutus, like sneaking up on people and getting them right in the, in the back. So there may be some, like, uh, some passive-aggressive conflicts happening within the, the, the sensitive environment of the home and the family, and it's going to be running headlong into the plans that you're trying to make out in the world. There's big things happening out in the world. There's big structures that are either crumbling or, or being built up right now with Saturn and Capricorn. And one of the things that I'll tell you is that Saturn is in a much stronger position right now. Saturn's sitting on the throne and able to be like, mm -mm, I'm, I'm making the rules right now. And I'm sorry, Mars, but uh, you're going to play by, by my rules, basically. And Mars is going to throw a temper tantrum. Uh, this is the, I, I compared this in our month ahead with Adam to the toddler that isn't getting what it wants based on something completely irrational. Like Adam, I believe Adam said, you can wear the poopy diaper as a, as a helmet or something, which, which is hilarious. You could, you, anybody who has kids has come across this moment where your, your child wants to do something unsafe or ridiculous. And, and, you know, when you say no, when you are sadder saying no, you're going to get the temper tantrum. You're going to get the, the expression of anger through emotion. Uh, Saturn wants to reject. It wants to exclude. It's the, it's the no. It's the, the um, entropy principle. It's breaking things down. It also builds things up. It builds walls. It builds obstructions. Um, and last week I talked about Mars coming across an obstacle in the river. So let's say that you've got a dam and the water flow is restricted, or you have a big boulder, uh, and you have to pool your resources, your emotional resources, until you can spill around the boundary. And that's going to be something to really keep in mind as we move towards the end of the week. Can you be mature in your relationships with other people if you don't get what you want? I'm reminded of uh, the Rolling Stones. This is something that I like to sing to my daughter when she was young, when she was having this issue. It's the, you can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need, right? So 
I had her trained to the point where I would just start saying, what song do we sing? And she'd just start singing it like under her breath. She would be like, you can't always get it. Like she'd be giving me the, the, the eye roll <laughs> because she knew that, that she had ran into the wall. And uh, it was cute. But um, I want you to think about that this week. Sometimes you can't always get what you want. And there may be a reason for it. There may be a larger cycle at work that is protecting you from making an irrational decision or action. You can thank Saturn this week for giving you the structures and the boundaries that you need to grow into a healthy, creative adult. And I would encourage you to take a deep breath when you come into that obstacle and embrace it rather than resist it. And patience is the key. Uh, Saturn is not going to be rushed. Your will is not stronger than than the structure right now. And you're only going to be able to wear it down over time. Water is the solvent that wears down the, 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 the crusty earth, uh, the consolidated earth over time. And time is the vehicle. And I want you to remember that this week as you're heading into the challenging waters of a Mars-Saturn opposition is that you may not be able to force uh, the cycle. You may have to wait. You may have to um, accept. This may be a moment of accepting something that you can't change right away. Eventually it might change, but it may not change in the moment that you want it to, okay? This is something that we, um, this is one of the myths that we've been told is that we can just change anything exactly at the moment that we want to. And I think this is where the, the mature version of, you know, quantum physics, the secret, positive thinking, doesn't mean you can't make changes in your life, but it's, you're working with the vehicle of time. And you're not just going to be instantaneously be able to snap your fingers and change uh, a cycle that is that requires uh, a longer period of time to um, manifest or to cook. Like you're not going to rush the soup, right? If you, you're making a soup, uh, you want to simmer it for a while. And there may be conditions in your life that are simmering right now that just need time on the stove. And if you try to eat it, all the vegetables are going to be crunchy and it's not going to be as good. All the flavors aren't going to have melded together. Um, I'm appealing to the Cancerian um, (laughs) desire for eating and and comfort right now. Uh, So think about the soup that you're making and how you can allow those flavors to mingle. And don't, uh, if the soup isn't, you can't rush the soup. You know, and try not to like, you know, get so pissed off that, you know, don't get so hungry that you like taste the soup and it's not ready yet that you don't like, you know, smash the pot off of the the stove Uh, because that's not productive. Nobody gets soup after that, right? And if you'd just been patient and say, "Mm, I'm hungry, maybe I'll go have a snack or do something else, you're not going to feel the need or the desire to to throw the babies out with the bathwater, so to speak, and, and work against your own best self-interest. Okay, so that's getting us through Friday. Sunday, Saturday, what do we got Saturday? Let's look again at our chart. On Saturday, if we click forward, we're going to see the moon is moving through Scorpio. You know, we may feel some dark emotions that are coming up. We may feel some heaviness to our, I know that I get kind of being a cancer and moon ruled. I feel the Scorpio uh, influence in my chart. Uh, It moves through my fourth house. So I'm just kind of like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I just want to like go away for a little while. Um, And depending on where it is in your chart, you may have a similar feeling of like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, So we'll see what happens. But this is Friday. Friday is a big day. Friday, there's all sorts of aspects happening. But as we get to Saturday, we have this beautiful thing happening. 
And this beautiful thing is the moon is going to be moving into Sagittarius and lightening the mood, all right, quite significantly. Uh, so some of the challenges that may have come up on Friday, we're going to start to, the mood's going to start to lighten as we go into the weekend, which is very nice, which is good. We're getting, the weather outside's nice. Might be a time to get outside and, you know, start to, slough off some of the heavy emotional stuff that you dealt with. Um, Mercury is going to be making a conjunction with the North Node here, or Rahu. And there's an author named Judith Hill uh, that has a book about the, the nodes, and she talks about the North Node being a point of increase, so the tide is coming in. So Mercury is going to be really getting a boost when it, and it goes across the North Node, and the communication may start to increase. The um, You know, the the ability to see both sides of the issue may start to, to, to manifest within the conversations that you're having. Um, the moon is going to make an opposition to Venus. So that's usually a fairly nice kind of thing. You, be careful not to get too excessive. You know, you may, you may be so tired after the conflicts of, of Friday or the end of the week that you're just like, you know, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm just going to lay out on the beach or outside under the, under the trees or in the sunshine, hopefully, and maybe just relax and take a little bit of a break. It could, could you know, lend a little bit of lethargy over the weekend, but you know what? Maybe you've earned it and maybe you need to allow yourself a little bit of a break after the heavy lifting that we've experienced over the, the course of the week. Uh, on Sunday, Jupiter is going to perfect its square to Neptune at 18 degrees. So we're going to see this happening. Um, let's see, on Sunday. And the moon is also going to be coming into a, con a conjunction or uh, a co-presence here, a, a calasis, if you will, an adherence with Jupiter. The moon is. The moon and Jupiter are going to be adhering to one another, blending and triggering the signification. So we're going to see that uh, moon is adding to the trigger of the Jupiter-Neptune square. So this is, to me, this is kind of a, a really nice aspect. There, there's going to be some good feelings. It may feel like a dream-like quality. Uh, be, just be careful that you are keeping one pinky toe on the ground during this aspect. Uh, try not to get too, um, you know, don't make a huge decision about your future during this, this uh, aspect because it may not turn out exactly how you are imagining it. We, we will tend to be manifesting very idealistic thoughts that may or may not be rooted in reality at this point. Okay. Um, this is building to the full moon on Monday. And I'll talk about that a little bit in our next week. But since it's part of a cycle, we're just building to the moment where we're going to have to make a choice. And I would caution you this, this weekend as you're relaxing with your, I don't know, your mojito on the beach, uh, try to incorporate a little bit of practicality and reality into the idealistic vision. I'm not saying you shouldn't have the vision. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to, to bring the, the inner dream into outer reality. But uh, keep, keep a little keep a little. Ask somebody for some feedback. You may not be the best uh, judge of it right now. Get, a, get, get your most practical friend. Get your earth sign friend. Um, <laughs> like your Virgo Capricorn friends and be like, uh, is this, a, is this, this real? Is, is this, uh, am I thinking of all the practical stuff that, that this um, you know, dream may entail or bring into my life? And... Uh, recognize that it's going to be a process and you're going to have to take your time with it. Um, you're going to have to make a choice. The, the full moon that we're coming up across is going to be about uh, choosing one of the paths that are laid out in front of you. It's going to be very difficult to do everything all at once. Gemini energy is, is split, splitting its energy in many different directions. Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, loves to destabilize and split in many different directions. Eventually, as we talked about in our month ahead, one of the twins has to die. And by, by doing that, uh, they both are going to be able to restore balance and, you know, 
in the, in the story of Castor and Polydeuce, one of the twins has to die, but the other offers up a part of its immortality so the other can live. So by eliminating some of the options, you're actually going to be feeding uh, what wants to live and what, what makes your heart sing and what um, will actually bring benefit into your life. So don't be afraid to let a few things go as we head over the weekend to the full moon. All right. I think that's what I have for you today. Thank you very much for continuing to, to uh, indulge me in some of these things. I hope it's been helpful. Uh, you know, go to the, um, the Facebook page and the uh, YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to all of those and share with your friends if you can. And if you need some extra help, uh, don't be afraid to reach out and book a reading. I've got, I've got time in my schedule if you want a personalized reading for all of these aspects. Um, we are heading towards a few eclipses in the month of July that are pretty, pretty important and pretty energetically charged. So if you need some help navigating that, uh, I'd be more than happy to, to spend some time with you and sit down and, uh, and work it out and hopefully help you to formulate a plan to be able to navigate all of those things gracefully and with patience and with, um, you know, the ability to, to see the greater picture, the bigger picture. All right. Uh, take care, everyone, and we'll talk soon.